On the podcast today, we will dissect chapter 43 of the Tao Te Ching, which makes up the 43rd episode of the 81 Meditations on the Tao Te Ching. And as usual, Guyang will read Jia Fu Feng and Jane English's translation, and I will read Derek Lin's translation. The softest thing in the universe overcomes the hardest thing in the universe. That without substance can enter where there is no room, hence I know the value of non-action. Teaching without words and working without doing are understood by very few. The softest things of the world override the hardest things of the world. That which has no substance enters into that which has no openings. From this I know the benefits of unattached actions. The teaching without words, the benefits of actions without attachment, are rarely matched in the world. In this chapter, Lao Tzu returns to the power of softness and also Wu Wei, but in a very poetic way, probably the most poetic throughout the entire Tao Te Ching. This chapter reminds me of that famous uh, Bruce Lee verse, what he said, be like water, my friend. Yeah, that's right. right. And uh, again, the reason why he said that is because of that the power of water. The water has that power. Yeah. Again, the softness, the softest source of uh, nature, and yet the strongest. Yeah. Again, we know that uh, when we walk on the jungle in the forest or something, you find a stream of a, a river or a waterfall or something like that. And over many, many, many years, the the water keeps flowing through and then how it damages damages the the rocks and the reason why the little rocks on the bottom of the uh, river has its own that soft shape is because of the water thousands of years of you know flowing down the stream right so that is that is the again the power of the water so the water analogy works perfectly. I mean, here, the softest thing in the universe overcomes the hardest thing in the universe, right? The hardest, right. Thing, hardest thing being by rocks, but they always get um, shaped by movement of water. Yes. And the irony is, is that water is the source of life. Mm. Isn't it ironic that because without water, there is no life. Plants don't grow. Humans don't exist. Animals die. This is the nature of it. Yeah. The, the softest element within nature is the essence of nature itself. That's right. Mm. And you know we've used the humility paradox a lot, where you know water seeks the lowest places, but paradoxically is the most powerful force in nature. And that that again, humility is that softness, right? Having that humility that can overcome and enter the hearts of even the most hardened people. Right. And right. it can change them mm. through that humility. Not even through you intentionally doing so either, mm. right? Water itself, when you drink water, you're not intentionally drinking it and saying, you do your job. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. It just yes. does its job. That's right. You know, you, your existence is nourished. Mm-hmm. You're hydrated. Everything's good, right? Yes. And also water has no shape, right, in a sense that yep. when it's in a certain temperature, mm. it has a, that fluid liquid form yes. and when the temperature goes high then it becomes like mist yep. right so it looks like it's not there but actually it's there it becomes invisible mm. but it is there in the air right mm. 
And when the temperature goes really, really low, then it becomes hard, like solid. Yeah. Just yeah. So it has no shape. It changes by environment or by circumstance. And again, that is why probably what Bruce Lee said: "Be like water, my friend." Yeah. So you should be able to change shape, or a better way to say is maybe become um, shapeless, right? So that easily you can adapt to the situations by circumstance or the environment. That's right. Yeah, Bruce is talking about exactly what you're saying. Like the mind has no shape, mm-hmm. right? The mind nature is empty, spontaneous and free. That's its inherent nature. But its habit is to fix itself. It's trying to fix itself in a certain reality because as we become conditioned, we are uncertain in the world. It's f- from fear. From fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not from love. It's, it's from fear. And so we try to fix our mind in a certain way when it's naturally empty, spontaneous and free. It's shapeless, right? And so Bruce was saying and Lao Tzu saying here, if we remain shapeless ourselves, then we can just move through life like a feather. Mm-hmm. We're not stuck to any sort of belief or any part of our life or perspective or we are practicing ultimately way mm. where we're doing non-doing where we're, we're in action but there's no one fixed within ourselves mm. you know to use a vedantic terminology there's no jiva mm. there's no persona no ego that's there because we've we're coming from that place so when you're always coming from the shapeless place even if you've accumulated a jiva, and we all do from birth, it begins to thin out mm. because your perspective is always open or your mind is always open. And so you're moving through life like just that drifting feather and you can encounter situations immediately and appropriately without being stuck, mm. right? It's only the one who has shape that presses up against right. other shapes. And you have strong opinion about something. You have a strong agenda, right? Yes. And you want to force upon people who think differently. Yeah. And you have to change the way they think to accord to accord the way you think, right? Yeah. And again, that's uh, with the strong, very firm shape. You have very yeah, strong course. shape. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Again, in that way, you cannot navigate life, navigate the world. Effortlessly. Yeah, that's right. That's why a lot of Taoist sages aren't politically correct because <laughs> they don't follow the moral flavors of the time, yes. right? And even I've had people say to me before, like, what do you think about this? And I say, look, I'm completely indifferent to it because I don't know anything about it and it, I don't care one way or the other. Yes. And they, they are like, but you have to have an opinion. And it's like, no, I don't. Like, why does being indifferent to it threaten mm. you? Right. Like, because it's got nothing to do with me. Like, you being uncomfortable is none of my business. Mm. Because I'm just saying, I'm just indifferent to the situation. Mm. It's not any any of my concern. It's kind of funny that people think that's strange of somebody not having opinion. Yeah. Not even themselves, (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. But again, when you have a really firm shape, meaning you have like a strong stance, of certain things, a strong opinion about certain things, you're always going to meet the resistance, yeah. right? And that resistance always come back to you. Mm. 
in a way that you get confused and you have an even stronger opinion about something, right? But in that sense, life becomes more difficult, yeah. actually, because <laughs> <laughs> there's more resistance, obviously. Yeah, obviously, yeah. But when you become shapeless, actually, it's easy to uh, navigate through things. You can easily um, look at things in different way, in different perspective, right? Because, yeah, you have no shape. Yeah, you have no shape. You've you've left your ego at the door. Yes. I've been in surroundings where before you go to see the teacher, there's a sign saying, leave your ego at the door. Yeah. And then when you're inside, the people find it hard to, to have left their ego at yes, the door. Yeah. <laughs> and the teacher will say, hey, didn't, I, didn't you read the sign out the front? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. we hold steadfast to mm. this condition we have. Yes. And, and we almost feel, for whatever reason, homeless without it. Mm. Where your true home, as a Jan Cha would put it, the great Thai Buddhist master, is this empty, spontaneous and free mind. Mm. That's actually your real home. Not this what you've built. You know, it's like saying, this house we are in is my home. Mm. And you could say, okay, but what is it built upon? Mm. Well, the earth. Well, that's your real home. You're just not seeing it naturally. Right. Right. Your house is even built of the elements of, of earth. Mm. The, when people um, trying to defend the certain things, that means it, uh, people have a um, very strong opinion of themselves, mm. very the firm idea of who they think they are, like strong idea of identity, mm. right? But when you try to defend it, when you easily get offended by what other people say about how you think or how um, you think you yourselves are, that means that you are acting out of a certain level of um, defensive uh, position. And to me, that is to show that how their identity is not authentic or genuine. Mm. That identity is built upon certain social ideas or concepts or uh, the like a false values based on material and or like a perception of others, right? Yep, that's right. So that's how you build a false idea, idea of identity and that uh, you think that is it and you get attached to it. So you get easily triggered by certain things. And the whole thing is the, the clear evidence that it's not true self. Hmm. If uh, you were completely comfortable in your own skin and you are residing in your own true nature, why would other people say to you, bother you really? Yeah, exactly. Because you are uh, firm with the, the way, way you are. You, you are. you are comfortable with the way you are so that you don't need to, you don't feel offended. No. Right? Because you just being you, you just being your true nature, and you reside in it, and that's most comfortable place to be, and that's most secure place to be, so that there is nothing to fear for, and there's nothing to defend, so that you don't get offended by anything. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. How how could you defend something that's empty, spontaneous, and free? Yeah. Your nature is already liberated. So. What is there to defend? You could only be defending an outer shell. Yes. 
of yourself mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist right. but you want to hold on to this That's outer right. shell like it's like the the jar analogy in the mm-hmm. avaduta gita right like the air within the jar is the same as the air outside the jar. Yes. Smash the jar. Yeah, that's it. Stop clinging to the jar. and But that's what we do. We cling to the jar because we don't know any different. Mm. Because we think, well, how will anything get done from there? And it's not that action ceases, mm. as we've been talking about. With Uwei, action continues. But it's in the same way that water does its work within your body. That's right. You don't need to tell the water to do its work within your body. You're an, you are a, a, essentially an aspect of the universe expressing itself. But you think you're this subjective person. That's right. Hey, I'm doing all this stuff. Look how cool I am. No, your home is the ultimate reality and it's expressing itself through you. You've just got deluded in thinking that you're the reason that you've done all this. Mm -hmm. You as the jar. Mm -hmm. As the jar. Yeah, the shell. (laughs) Yeah, the shell. Yeah, but you're not not that. It's the air that's within that and outside of Mm -hmm. that that is doing everything. So again, like here, that's what it said that without substance can enter where there is no room. Without substance, here is exactly what that is. That without substance, without having an idea of jiva, idea mm-hmm. of ego or individual, yep. is that what it means by here? Without substance, yep. like not in a sense that like. Well, people would we would think that substance is important, having substance, right? Like so, it's got to be substantial. <laughs> But in this case, having substantial is actually more damaging. Yes. More damaging to the order of universe, basically. Exactly. So again, just like in Vedanta, the Brahman, Brahman itself has no substance, and yet the most ultimate, the primal source of the universe, right? And that enters where there is no room. The Brahman is everywhere. Exactly. And that that Brahman is us as Atman is within us and then no substance having no ego no jiva there is no jiva again you can action continues on like you said but the action of the dua is different mm. there is no more dua mm. per se so it just it's doing its thing from its uh, truest sense the most um, fundamental place that is without substance. Exactly. And that without substance, as you were talking about in regards to Atman and Brahman, if, you, if we look at the jar analogy again, the Atman is the contained Brahman within the jar. But it's the same as, that's the, the Atman is Brahman, right? Right, right. Yeah. So within yes. our body, our psychosomatic organism, our body and mind, the, the Atman is contained in here. But we believe where the equipment, the body, and we believe where this jiva, mm. which are the jar, right? This is this yes. is the the, the physical and mental plane of consciousness, not the spiritual plane. And so we believe where this shell, and then there's a a seemingly disconnect between mm. our true nature and the ultimate nature. Mm. But there's not. Mm. You just have to break the shell and realize that you're you're the ultimate reality. It's substanceless, right? right. Like so, if we if we look at it from the the scientific aspect of Vedanta, you are the undifferentiated consciousness. Yes. That air that's within the jar and without the jar is the undifferentiated consciousness. Mm-hmm. The jar is a differentiated consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's the subjective viewpoint. Yes. Hey, look, look at my equipment body, mind. Mm-hmm. Look at this equipment of consciousness mm-hmm. that I am. It's like, that's, that's like a temporary jar. You, you put the jars out in the recycling bin, 
You never see them again, they're gone. That's right. And when you die, it goes into the recycling bin of the earth or into the air if, yes. you, if you get cremated, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm. It's all done. Mm. Did you I, did you realize what you truly were mm. within that time the jar's existence was alive? Mm. Or were you focused just on polishing the jar right. so it looks Make good? Make it look good. Yeah, yeah. Were you worried about these certain yes. things? And I think uh, while we are in a shape of jar, make sure you keep the lid open (laughs) (laughs) so that (laughs) we know that air outside and inside are the same. You need a bit of space there, (laughs) yeah. You have to to keep some space. Make sure that, uh, yeah, the lid open, not closed up. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's a good point because when we talk about the formlessness and, and that, and as I alluded to earlier, is that water, formlessness, can can enter solid objects, mm, right? And yes. and it has the ability then to change them. So so softness can change hardness. Yes, that's the thing. Mm. Can hardness change softness? Okay, you can throw a rock into a water, but what happens? The softness just absorbs the rock, that's right? That's right. Yes. And and the rock just remains, as you were saying earlier, that just remains at the bottom, and yeah. it just gets worn out. And temporarily looks like did something. Yeah. But in the long term, nothing. Yeah. But but. If you look long term on a rock, with the with the water wearing over it, I mean, it can, it, it can't revert back to its original nature. That's right. And so that, as you were saying, leaving the lid open, like that's formlessness and and softness can enter into the hardest places and mm. then change things. And this is why Lao Tzu, through all throughout the Tao Te Ching, emphasizes humility because if you have humility. And innocence as well, it tends to change people, right? Mm. So the innocence of other people, for example, can change you, right? Mm. Like you can go to certain cultures that are far more innocent than, say, some modern Western cultures, and that that will leave a, a, an indelible mark in your mind, and you'll you'll walk away with that innocence, even when we meet. Uh, our spouse or someone you're attracted to usually it's the innocence of the other person that mm. you're attracted to if the other person was aggressive and hard and that's not attractive not attractive at all so we're usually attracted to that pure innocence within each other mm. and so it doesn't matter how hard a person is or how rigid their beliefs if you follow what Lao Tzu says in the Tao Te Ching and in following this, you're you're returning to your actual nature. Mm. It'll change the hardest object that there is, or the hardest people. And that also shows that the enduring aspect of innocence of water, the mm. softness, right? Yep. So the softness and innocence actually naturally brings the enduring um, character of the element or or of a person, right? Yeah. So if you are that coming from the soft place, you have more like a strength to endure in a certain situation yeah. or in just in life in general. And that endurance is also, I think, a, um, I think it's a good aspect or character, but it becomes like a rare skill nowadays mm. because... No one wants to endure. They want to have an instant result. Right? Instant gratification. Yes, yes. Not delayed gratification. No. Not They don't understand how beneficial that is. That's right. To, to be in that realm where instant gratification, this and that, is, is empty in and mm. of itself. I mean, you get things like this 
and it, it's meaningless, yes. right? Yes. Like, and to go back to innocence, like this is why the sages constantly emphasize having a childlike mind. Because mm. once you lose that childlike mind, that sort of innocence of, of play and everything like this, like Uwe actually one of the elements, ways to speak about it is, is like unassociated play. It's just enjoying life and just dancing with life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I've heard many teachers say before, have you looked at people's eyes mm-hmm. in this day and age? Mm-hmm. Are their eyes soft? See, like that mm-hmm. that's how you can understand if someone's innocent, right? You look mm-hmm. and we all know the look, mm-hmm. right? We look at we all know when we look at someone's eyes who they think they know everything, mm-hmm. they've lost their innocence and they have this real like you see this a lot aggressive. in the West. Yeah, aggressive look mm. in their eyes. You see this a lot in the West. And unfortunately, you're seeing a lot with these kids these days. Young that people. Young people yeah. who are fighting for everything. They've got this real intense look in their eye. But then if you go to somewhere like Tiruvannamalai in South India, kids of the same age and they have this pure look. Yes. And it and it and the irony is if you get those kids from the West and you put them there, it softens their heart because mm. like – it's almost embarrassing because mm. when you see their eyes, you can tell like, oh, man, they're pure at heart. Mm. What have I done wrong? The softness overcomes the hardness. There. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So mm. that's just a reminder for everyone listening and watching. Like mm. have a look at how soft people's eyes are. Mm. Are their eyes soft? Or is it is there that intense look that, hey, I know everything. I, know what's, I even know what's best for you. <laughs> you know, that's a problem in and of itself, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, so we mentioned about yeah, doing without. Yeah. Doing. Yeah. Doing, yes. Uway. Uway, yeah. That's right. Non action. Non action. Yes. Doing without doing. Mm. And just like we were, I was mentioning, like yes. when we allow water to do its thing, mm. it does its thing without even having to think about yes. it. Yes. And that's mm. kind of what Lao Tzu is mentioning in here, right? Like it's unattached actions. Mm. So you're just going without any attachment to what. You're doing. Yes. And even in this translation, Derek's translation, teaching without words. Mm, teaching without words. That's yes. another thing, isn't yes. it? We, like we were just mentioning with the mm, innocence. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, this line, the, I was reminded of the Ramana, Ramana Maharish. Yes. How he, he's just, his existence was teaching itself without words. Right. Yeah. So that's again good example of way, isn't it? A beautiful example, yeah. I was mm-hmm. thinking actually about that when you we were mentioning it. Yes, yes. That I was thinking about Ramana and I was thinking about, you know, we've spent a lot of time at Ramana Ashram and the power that's still there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, Arunachala is there too. And there's an immense energy in the whole town. Mm-hmm. But just that presence of presence yes. that's still there and Look, Ramana spoke sometimes, right? But mm. the majority of the time he was in silence. Yes. And didn't have to actively teach no. per se, mm. right? Mm. His silence was the teaching. Yes. I mean, he probably got annoyed. People just started hanging around. Like, what, mm-hmm. are, you, <laughs> what are you all doing here? You know what I yes, mean? Yes, yes. But And that's something for us. That, that's the power of silence, right? Yes. That's the power of uwe, the power of non-doing. Again, the power of softness. Power of softness, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, we hope you enjoyed and we'll see you guys next time.